It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's up, everyone, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is a Thursday. Friday Eve, some may call. Today on the show, we've got a special guest. I've got with me Tom Mitsoff from RedLegNation.com. You know him from his writings at RedLegNation. We got him in to talk Reds with us today. Tom, how are you doing today, sir? I am doing just fine, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I think I'm like the majority of Reds fans. We're we're just waiting for uh, for something to happen. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's it's a it's a long waiting game this off season. We're going to get to all of that here in just a moment. Before we do, just want to quickly remind everyone: make sure if you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button on your podcasting platform. Check us out on Twitter at Jeff Carr and at Locked On Reds. And then, Tom, are you on Twitter? I think you are. Absolutely, yes. It's it's at T M I T S O F F. First initial, last name. Smart takes coming from Tom on Twitter, and smart and Twitter don't always go together, so that's worth knowing. <laughs> that's true. And then also uh, make sure to save the locked on Red's line number into your phone at five one three five four nine zero one five nine. Alrighty, so before we jump into some off season talk. Uh, Tom, I just wanted to paint a picture real quick uh, because I know that you have been a Reds fan for a little bit longer than I have, and I just wanted <laughs> to kind of get your take how that all started. What Can you pinpoint a, uh event or a season that really just kind of grabbed you and hasn't let go since? I think in my case it was uh, probably uh, 1973 and – at that time, I was I was not a super big sports fan of any kind of sports, and then I think I, we were watching at, at my uh, my home back in good old Beaver Creek, Ohio. We were watching the Mets and the Reds playoff game, and uh, Pete Rose slid into second base and uh, took out Bud Harrelson, and the two of them just started fighting and punching, and uh, <laughs> it just seemed to be uh, you know then Shea Stadium went crazy, and that's the kind of thing that is for some reason caught my attention, and then. The following years after that, the Big Red Machine uh, kept my attention quite uh, quite well, and uh, so I didn't realize at that time I was watching one of the greatest teams ever ever pre- created or put together. So that was quite a, you know, in retrospect, quite a privilege to be able to do that. And uh, so I've I've just been uh, been locked on the Reds, uh, so to speak, uh, for the last, next uh, 47 years, and it's been. Uh, it's been a real, real trip in a lot of ways. It's fun to have a team that actually has some uh, championships uh, in their background, but we, we are all long waiting for the next uh, really, really good Reds team, and that's uh, what uh, hopefully they're working on uh, in San Diego this week. Absolutely, and uh, we're winding down. I think depending on what time of day that uh, you, the listener, are checking out the podcast today, uh, they may already be on a plane back to Cincinnati, but I know the winter meetings are all wrapping up. And 
as we speak right now, this is Wednesday night, so there's still quite a bit going on, uh, just different rumors and such. But before we jump into rumors and thoughts and some ideas for the Reds, because I know that they listen to this podcast. Uh, but uh, before we jump into all of that, I wanted to get your take. The Reds made their biggest free agent move ever in signing Mike Moustakis. And in a vacuum, it's easy to say, well, color me unimpressed, but I think that this is the kind of thing that, the kind of move that you have to make if you're in the position that the Reds are. What was your take on that move? Uh, I was uh, very, very pleased with it. I think uh, from my perspective, the their approach to the offseason had to be to find some impact hitting, impact bats, and top of that list in the free agency but he's not too far from the top and so i my thought of it if you know you always say as a fan if i was a general manager you, you just pick you find those best hitters you can you can find and find a place to put them in the lineup and these days with uh, the way they shift the the defense uh is not as important as it used to be clearly so i think it's it's a really good uh chance and a good bet that he can play second base uh, at least uh on a semi-regular basis, and and I think he's going to be a cer- certainly a humongous improvement over uh, the second base uh, crew from last year, featuring uh, Peraza and uh, and the left-handed batter whose name I can't remember right now, Dietrich. Dietrich, yeah, yeah. they uh, they uh, I think uh, I think that's as you're looking at you know making the team better. There's no question in my mind that they did that. Well, I tell you, before the season started last year, I looked at the second base situation. I was kind of excited to see what Peraza had in store because I know he had a pretty decent year uh, the season before that. And then whenever Dietrich really just exploded onto the scene the first couple of months of the year, I'm like, man, this is great. And then it was like the month of June hit, and <laughs> whoever was in sec- was playing second base for the Reds stopped hitting. And yeah. to to install a guy like Moose, to, to install 30 home runs and a pretty decent on-base percentage to boot right there in a spot that was a black hole in the lineup last year. That That's a phenomenal thing to to lock down a spot in the lineup because that's really the name of the game this offseason is to try and enter 2020 with as few question marks as possible. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you that, that uh, it, it's impo- not, not impossible, but almost too difficult to imagine upgrading one position any better than it did, at least offensively in, in that one. So I, again, I was very, very pleased with that. And I think uh, like, like a lot of uh, fans, uh, I was anticipating this week thinking, well, maybe, you know, a lot more is going to be happening. And we heard a lot of rumors about Zach Wheeler and Didi Gregorius and thinking that uh, with, with Mustakis uh, signing for the amount that he did, that maybe the pocketbook was going to be open and they were just going to be, uh, ready to, you know, go all in. And, and unfortunately it, uh, uh, they, they've been, they've been in, but not all in. And, and unfortunately they've uh, come up second uh, for, for a few of these uh, players that they've been after. I was thinking about this uh, last night. What, uh, what's your take? Because I think it's more encouraging than people give it credit for, but what is your thought on the Reds being kind of like you said, being the runner up, the first runner. Maybe they were second, maybe they weren't, but they were in on the runnings on these players. And, and, and sure at the beginning of the off season, we all said, well, the Reds, they're, they're going to get DD or they're going to get Grandol, or we, you know, at least we really, really hope they get them. And then, 
we see them go somewhere else. What's your take with the Reds at least being in the conversation? Uh, it's with it's very encouraging, I think, from anybody. Yeah, yeah, uh, encouraging from anybody who's been a Reds fan for as long as uh, most of us have here at Redneck Nation and in your podcast, uh, your listeners, to have them involved in, in this many people at, at supposedly a very, you know, like a finalist level is, is very interesting. And, and uh, so the, the, the question then becomes is are, are they, are they ready to take that next step uh, of, you know, really going into the high, high level of, of spenders. And, and it's just, you know, my thought that the, clearly we're seeing what the Phillies are doing. The Phillies are spending money uh, like they they have an unlimited <laughs> supply, and right. and they are they're they're going for it. They are going for it, and that is, I think, as fans, we uh, as Reds fans, we at some point have to ask ourselves, will we ever do that? We, you know, I, I'm not. I say I always say we. I'm not a member of the team or the organization, but will our team ever? do that because that you know the yankees they they signed cole for you know half of fort knox and yeah. and so we're, we're we're getting back to the days of uh of the yankees of old where they were just signing everybody that they wanted to sign and and so the reds to be i think ultimately uh, a team that we want to see competing for a world series they're going to have to and at at some point decide they're going to to go there. And, and, and I was really hopeful, like I said earlier, that this week would be the week that we'd see some of those additional uh, top tier players come in. And it, it does seem clear now that, that it's not quite, quite that level. And just before we, um, we came on the, the, the podcast here, Jeff, I was reading a story that just came out from uh, Bobby Nightingale of uh, Cincinnati.com where Dick Williams was quoted as saying, they're basically done with the, uh, the high-level pitching uh, people, such as he didn't list Bumgarner, but that was the inference that uh, you know they're they're not going to be going after that kind of guy. Uh, they're going to be going after people to fill out, you know, and, and give depth to the rotation, but not at the level of a Wheeler or a Bumgarner. So that's I think that's kind of the 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 expectation now has been set for the rest of the week and, and maybe for the rest of the off season. I, I don't know, but uh, I found that very interesting just just before we uh, we uh, got on the phone here to do the recording. Yeah, and, and I I agree with you because I saw that article too, and it made me wonder because while Zach Wheeler is pretty talented, he's also been sort of injury prone and not really sure what the future holds in that area, it's really hard to predict health. I mean, obviously, if the Reds would have known what health, uh, what was in store with Homer Bailey, I'm sure they wouldn't have signed him to the contract that they did. Yeah. Ergo, that's what happened. When it comes to a big deal, like what the Yankees did with Garrett Cole, and um, <laughs> and to get off track for a half a sec, I saw a, a funny thing on Twitter said that his deal is worth more than four, and they're they're little tiny countries in the uh, in the Oceania region. But three hundred twenty-four million dollars is worth more than the gross domestic product of four tiny island countries. And I just found that to be hysterical that one guy can basically buy those countries. But um, when it comes to a deal like that, if the Reds were to have signed Garrett Cole. To that sort of, and it's almost impossible to imagine. But what do you think the initial reaction would be to that sort of a deal? 
I think most people would, would be, uh, as we've found out in the last week or so, the reaction to Moustakas, most people or a lot of people would be saying, oh, gosh, that's too much. That's too much. And they might be right. They might be right. But uh, and I and I think it's uh, it's very, very, very likely that Garrett Cole is going to have some sort of arm problem uh, in the next nine years. And the that the last uh, the last part of that contract is is going to be something the Yankees are basically eating. Uh, but if, if, if they are able to get a World Series or two out of, out of that, uh, out of him while he's there and get, you know, get the titles, then I think uh, that is the way that uh, ROI is, is judged uh, these days in, in professional sports and at least in baseball is, you know, we, we know we paid stupid money. I mean, there, there's nothing, there's no, no, uh, no reasonable explanation other than just say that that is stupid money for any person for any any job and anything but if if they are able to you know dominate for a year or two at the you know at the playoff level world series level then you know uh that's that's probably uh, a good roi and that's again that's what i think um you know we have to wonder as reds fans will the reds ever get to that level where they're willing to do that and and then the other side of the coin is 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 that smart to do that? You know, the Yankees, uh, you know, they have money to burn. Do the Reds have, have money to burn? Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. We don't know that for sure, but uh, clearly they're, uh, they, they have a history of not spending uh, nearly as much as some of the contending teams and, and large market teams. So it's, it's just a fascinating uh, uh, type of scenario that's unfolding here in the off season. And, and I think we're going to learn a lot more about where, where the team is seriously uh, thinking about, you know, in terms of how how much they want to spend and and how competitive they want to get in the next uh, probably two months before spring training starts. So I want to jump into a few uh, targets, a few ideas for the Reds here in just a moment. But I do have a question for you: Are you, Tom? Are you hungry right now? Oh, I sure am. What what's what what do you have? Boy, I, I'm telling you what. There's there's this thing now, this great app called DoorDash. And you can treat yourself to a meal that you deserve. There's all kind of different uh, restaurants, and it's all low, you know, based on where you live and stuff. They have different uh, availability. Tom, you can treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you. I mean, how much do you enjoy waiting to uh, sit at a table? Oh, not that much. Yeah, me neither. DoorDash takes that all away. And with Door with the DoorDash uh, right now, my listeners can get five dollars off their first order of fifteen dollars or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N. And if you're listening on the go and you can't get on DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com. Slash offers. So we mentioned earlier that the Reds are at least in on a lot of these guys that have been going other places. And, I mean, we didn't even mention the fact maybe they were the mystery team in Garrett Cole. I, I doubt that. I tend to doubt that. But <laughs> the, the mystery team is always fun to me because it's like, ooh, there's never a wrong answer. Your team could be the mystery team. But uh, with some of the guys who are left, let's let's not lament and, and dwell on the past and dwell on guys who are now playing for other teams. Let's look at some guys that the Reds could go after. 
I want to get your take. If if you were Dick Williams, what is the next move you make? Maybe it's a free agent. Maybe it's a trade. What's the next move that you make? Well, that is a um, – without knowing who they're talking to, uh, it's, it's a little difficult to know about in terms of trades. In terms of free agency, I think the, the one guy who's out there that really – uh, intrigues me is the Dodger pitcher Ryu, uh, R-Y-U is how his name is spelled, left-hander who has had some outstanding success in the last few years uh, and does not have a lot of uh, wear and tear on his arm. That That's the guy that I think uh, I, I would probably take the closest look at. I think there's a lot of people that are talking about Marcelo Zuna for the outfield, and there seems to be a lot of, a lot of people who are beginning to uh, – diminish their enthusiasm about, about what we, what he can bring to the table. And uh, there's still uh, Castellanos out there who uh, we haven't heard about him being talked about by the Reds uh, recently. Supposedly the Giants have the, have the uh, priority on him at the moment. So uh, I think you just based on what we know about who's in the free agent market, uh, the uh, Ryu would be my guy. And in terms of trades the the one that was made yesterday or earlier in the week uh, where the angels sent uh, zach cozart and their number one draft pick from this past year to the giants uh, for cash was a which that was a mind-boggling and intriguing trade because basically the giant or the angels wanted to unload cozart's contract on somebody because they i think they were hoping to be able to sign garrett cole and so what they did is they they said to the Giants, well, if you'll take Cozart's contract, we will give you this uh, this attractive prospect. And I think that's the kind of deal that the Reds could really uh, be looking at in 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 uh, in the way a way to they they had to eat some money, but they they could uh, come out of it with a player that can help them either right now or in the very immediate future. And just there's there's players out there who they've been talking about that. Are, are, are uh, you know on the trade blocks such as David Price for the Red Sox? He's uh, way too expensive, probably from what they're willing to do, thirty million a year. But that type of player, if you could get them to to throw in somebody like Andrew Andrew Benton Benin, Benintendi, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how do you say that guy's name? But if you, Benin, that, that's the kind of trade that he could, yeah, thank you, thank you. Yes, I apologize to Andrew no, for that, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's the kind of trade I think that they could be uh, really able to uh, to delve into and and make some very surprising type of moves. So that that would be, would be my my thoughts on that. That was the immediate um, correlation. Whenever people saw the deal with Cozart, they thought uh, David Price really fits that mold. And you're right, thirty million sounds a little steep to pay for him. He's actually signed through 2022. The interesting thing on him, he only pitched 107 innings last season, and then I think the year before that, I'm looking on his baseball reference page, kind of cheating a little bit. Um, actually, the the last uh, three years combined, the, he's pitched just barely over 300 innings. So he's averaging just a little over 100 innings a year, and probably a cautionary tale in part a la Garrett Cole, like you said, it's probably a better-than-not chance that he's going to have some problems with his arm. I wonder if there's some way, and, and maybe the Red Sox kick in some kind of thing like what the Dodgers did whenever they traded Matt Kemp to the Reds, 
Because it would be intriguing to pair David Price up back. I, I think he pitched with um, Derek Johnson in Vanderbilt whenever he went there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. it'd be interesting to repair them up. Maybe he can fix something in his mechanics that has been ailing him, or uh, I'm not exactly sure is all that because I'm not necessarily an expert on David Price, but that possibility intrigues me whether it's Benintendi whether it's Mookie Betts you're adding what you need an outfielder and I think Benintendi could probably play center field but I know Mookie Betts could definitely play center field and then you open up the possibility of moving Nixon to left field and you've created a uh, interesting platoon and in right with Aquino and and Winker and Irvin, which Irvin might be the odd man out there I don't know that there's a lot of speculation going on if there were some way for Boston to provide some sort of financial uh, easement and you were looking at this deal, would you be keen on making a move like that? Oh, I, I think it'd be great to have David Price in the Reds rotation. You, you uh, presuming that he is even not even at his peak, but just at average David Price, uh, you throw him in with uh, the other four guys, uh, that's that's a that's a rotation that uh, any team would be would be envious of, and that's that's one way to start uh, a team that is uh, looking to make the playoffs, which is what Dick Williams had uh, had said earlier in the offseason that that is their objective now. It's 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 playoffs, and it's not uh, not the rebuild. So that uh, I think that would be fantastic as, as a fan from a fan's perspective. That would be great. Absolutely. And people forget. I mean, it's easy to think of David Price as being a complete bust as of here lately because, like I mentioned, he hasn't pitched a whole lot in the last three years. But as recently as 2016, he had 228 strikeouts in 230 innings pitched. So it would be, I mean, you slot him into the rotation and really at that point, I don't know, we're getting way ahead of ourselves just imagining this happen. Even then, I don't think he's to the level of uh, what Matt Kemp was in that we're looking at trying to cut him a month into it. What about, and there was another deal that I saw, an idea. This isn't even super hardly reported on, but rumor has it the Dodgers and the Indians are just super intent on Francisco Lindor trade talks. Should that happen, that would make Corey Seager hypothetically expendable. What do you think about the Reds sweeping in there and getting Corey Seager? I saw a comparison that actually said from the time they both came up in 2015 to now, Corey Seager has actually been slightly better offensively, uh, according to the OPS Plus statistic, than Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I think that would be uh, again a fantastic move. It would be a tremendous improvement over uh, over Galvis, uh, yes. at least on paper, you know, going into the season. And again, you're anytime you can improve yourself at a position that much, I think that's something you really seriously have to try to try to go into. And I don't know who you know who the Dodgers need. They might need someone like uh, Rysel Iglesias. Uh, they, I know they have bullpen issues and. Yeah, and one thing that I, I am uh, I'm very confident in in Dick Williams and Nick Crawl. I believe that if nothing else, I think they are going to look at every single way to make make something happen, at least within the organization's parameters of how much they want to spend. Uh, I, I I really have a lot of faith in in that. In fact, 
that they haven't done much this week uh, is, you know, frustrating to any Red fan, but I'm not at all giving up on them. And I think that there's uh, over the next couple of months, uh, there's going to be a lot of very interesting things that happen. We, we know that the uh, Sunny Gray trade last year happened uh, long after the winter meetings. Uh, and that was a very unusual uh, approach that they had that to get him signed up uh, to an extension before a trade could be done. And, just being creative. I think they will, I think they will find some way to do that with somebody who we haven't even thought of yet. And uh, so that's one reason that I'm, I'm still optimistic and still looking forward to, to, to see what they're going to do. I definitely agree with you. That's one thing that I've looked at this off season. And I kind of thought about it the other day. It's like, you know, even as early as 10 years ago, we didn't have this crazy social media coverage in knowing every single rumor involved with the Reds so that when a guy who initially was rumored to be connected to the Reds gets signed by somebody else, then there's this angst amongst the fan base and just people automatically saying, well, look at that. The Reds, we're not, we're not getting better. We're not going to the playoffs. That part to me has become, a little annoying because yes, it's nice to have all of that information, but at the same time, just because they didn't sign Didi Gregorius does not mean that the entire off season is a waste and been completely derailed. And I'm with you. I, I totally trust in uh, their ability to make creative deals and make deals that make sense for the Reds. That that might not be handing $300 million to Anthony Rendon. That might be something that, like you said, we don't even see right now. But I believe that come opening day, we're going to be in a good spot. Tom, I really appreciate the time that you've given to me. I, I want to ask one more question before we close it out. A little bit more of a fun question. Looking back um, as a Reds fan, who has been your favorite player? Because I I myself, honestly, I mean, I, I love Joey Votto and uh, different players like that, Barry Larkin, all those guys. I, I've always been a Barry Larkin fan. He he was my favorite player growing up as a kid, and he still remains. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever going to take his place as my favorite Red. But who's been? who was your favorite Red? You know, it's interesting. I don't think I ever really had one particular player that I that I latched onto. I was more uh, focused on, on the team, but as, as a – I guess as a younger fan, I was always fascinated by, by pitching. Uh, that, that to me just seemed for some reason the key to it. Maybe that is, has been you know, proven to be the case. But when I remember when the, the, when the Reds acquired uh, Tom Seaver uh, in 1977, and, and that at the time, uh, that would be like getting Garrett Cole now. I mean, right. that, uh, that was like, holy you know, crap. Excuse my language, but that—that <laughs> that, that was, uh, you know, that was a like in my lifetime. That trade and the Ken Griffey Jr. trade are the two trades that have been OMG. You know, that the Reds actually got in there and did. And I, so I think uh, I, uh, Tom Seaver was somebody who, as a much younger uh, uh, gentleman, I, I admired and and even you know tried to model myself. You know, because his pitching motion was such a it was, was so revered and I, you know, I'm not a good athlete, but I was like, like to try to, you know, like you do with your favorite player, you try to swing the bat the way he does or throw the ball the way he does. And so I had done that. And so when he became a red, I was like, this is just a dream come true. So long, long you know, answer to that uh, question, but that, I think it was Tom Seaver. Hey, that's, uh, all, that's, her, that's all right. Cause he was a guy that Mario I, Soto, uh, cause he was just, oh, yeah. he was outstanding uh, for a terrible team. 
th- those are guys that when I look back, I, I wish I could have watched more in depth. Because obviously, I mean, Mario Soto's heyday, I was still um, not old enough to remember <laughs> with the baseball. And I, I just look back <laughs> and I think, man, I, I, I wish I could have seen those guys play. I, I love watching little highlights and stuff like that on YouTube and all that stuff. But I envy um, envy missing the 70s Reds and and all that stuff. And I'm hoping, like you said, we can start building success like that here soon. Yep, I'm, I'm with you. Well, hey, Tom, I thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks for uh, being on the show. And um, got more stuff coming on Red Leg Nation. I always love reading your stuff. And everyone, make sure you look out for that at Red Leg Nation. And then what was your Twitter handle again? At T Mitsoff, M I T S O F F. Follow him on Twitter, guys. All right. Thanks again, Tom, and uh, have a great night, man. Yes, thanks to you. It's been a pleasure. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.